Welcome to Genuine Humans, exploring the stories behind the great marketing leaders of our time and hearing how their journeys have influenced the brands they've built. Brought to you by The Social Element, here are our hosts, Tamara Littleton, CEO and founder, and Wendy Christie, Chief People Officer. Welcome back to Genuine Humans podcast, and I'm here with my co-host, Wendy. And Wendy, do you want to share maybe what you've been up to this week? What I've been up to this week, well, I don't want to make this all about me because it's not all about me, but I got married on Monday this week. So it feels really weird to be kind of on a Wednesday. Casually, I got married on Monday. Uh, But yes, it's been a a long time and a short time in the making. We'd been engaged for 19 years, but actually we ended up booking the wedding five weeks before we actually did it. So it was all a bit of a rush. But yeah, a lovely, lovely day surrounded by family. So happy. And we got to see you on (laughs) Zoom as well, which is very cool. (laughs) (laughs) And we are on video at the moment, but of course, no one can actually see that. But we are joined today by the wonderful Kelly Best, who is the CMO and product customer experience and marketing at, at Virgin Red. Now, Kelly joined in 2019 to launch the brand new global loyalty solution, which she's going to tell us all about this, but it's spanning around 40 Virgin companies. So very big welcome to Kelly Best. Oh, thank you so much, Tamara. This this conversation has been a long time in the making. I uh, I think we first kicked it off when we were booging away on a Virgin voyage about <laughs> two o'clock in the morning in the Manor nightclub. So uh, yeah, very <laughs> delighted to be here. Well, I think it's very important to test out all of your different Virgin brand experiences if you're going to be running the loyalty program, right? (laughs) Oh, absolutely. Absolutely right. So, Kelly, do you want to just sort of explain a bit more about what it is that you're doing now? And then I'm going to take you back, but I'll give you a bit of an opportunity just to explain to everything what what is Virgin Red and what is it you do? Yeah, of course. Um, So, yeah, Virgin Red uh, was set up in uh, 2019 and we are the group wide loyalty program for Virgin. And really, our aim is to bring together the 40 slash 45 Virgin companies um, and the 35 million customers that are interacting with those customers and with those companies um, into a sort of a centralized space where we can uh, reward them for their loyalty to Virgin, essentially. And so really, my role is to drive people into Virgin Red to make sure that we've got a cohesive experience across the group and to make sure that we can really make the Virgin customers feel very loyal to the Virgin brand. I love that. And you've had, uh, you've been a bit more in the sort of the telecoms industry and, and would you mind just sort of sharing how did you get to where you are now? I'm always fascinated. I know our, our listeners always sort of like to hear how you actually got to be where you are now. So get, give us a little flavor of your early career. Yeah, of course. And actually, when I was thinking back on this, um, it's been a lot of hard work, of course, but uh, a lot of um, amazing encounters and those sort of like fluke moments of chance that have sort of got me to where I've been um, at today. And so, yeah, really right back finishing university, I was actually, always, I always wanted to be in advertising and marketing. I did. I don't really know why. It's not in my family at all, but just always, always loved it. And for my dissertation at uni, I did it on... Um, 
Benetton's effect um, on advertising and you know that was really controversial in the time and so yeah always had a real interest Um, I applied for like the big grad schemes but um, wasn't super successful in that and was just about to start on a Monday in advertising sales traveling you know three hour round trip every day to go to Waterloo from my hometown in Chichester and um, to flog advertising space and I had no idea what I was doing or getting myself into and thankfully I went to um, a barbecue with my mum and bumped into a friend of hers who was um, a senior people leader at uh, Direct Line and she said uh, I really don't think you should be doing that I don't think you're going to like it and I don't think your career is going to go in a very good direction if you do so um, she got me into work uh, at Direct Line to, just for a couple of weeks helping out on an internal comms conference and I ended up staying there for the best part of three years and it actually turned into RBS Insurance and um, got the got the chance to work on all of the brands. So Direct Line, the big red phone, Churchill, the crazy nodding dog that we all know and love. And it was just an amazing time to really ground yourself in the discipline. Um, we were working with incredible agencies. We had really, really big budgets and the full marketing mix. So yeah, really sort of cut my teeth there. Um, and, and from there, I decided to sort of take a little break. I was only 23. I didn't really need a break at that point, but uh, <laughs> go, go off traveling for a bit. And, um, yeah, somebody I met at Direct Line, Hannah House, who was, you know, one of those m- people that you look back and think, God, you were really influential in, in my career, had moved to Sky. And I reached out to her from when I was away and said, you know, don't suppose you've got any jobs. And she hooked me up with a contact of hers. And, I remember being in this like ramshackled shed in Cambodia with dial-up internet trying to have this phone interview and um, yeah, I started working at Sky and um, I went in and I looked after online marketing for what was Sky Player at the time, which we then launched into Sky Go Mm. and and being at Sky was an incredible experience in terms of the calibre of people that you're working with, you know, some of the brightest minds, you know, the the product itself was just exceptional. And yeah, I was there for a good couple of years. But if I'm if I'm really honest, um culturally it was it wasn't sort of the best fit for me. Didn't necessarily feel like I could be my myself there and wanted to go on somewhere which was in a bit more of a startup phase and mm. um this opportunity came up at Talk Talk and it was established in the broadband space but actually it was launching TV and Talk Talk was and it is still like an incredibly entrepreneurial business. You know, the founder Charles Dunstan still very heavily involved and it always had that startup spirit. And so I was actually there for eight years, absolutely loved every minute of it. And again, you know went in as a, a senior marketing manager looking after direct response advertising and um, really just caught the eye of a lady called Olivia Stretfield, who was an exceptional um, person, you know, a massive high flyer, McKinsey. She like went to Princeton. She was a pro tennis player. You know, she's one of those people that was a general, you know, all-rounder and um, really sort of, yeah, inspiring. And she took a massive bet on me, actually, and... Um, I went from marketing into a head of sales role and that was sort of running the contact centers and looking after all of the sales channels as well as marketing. So, you know, I had 1500 agents globally at that point. I've never been in a contact center in my life. I had events teams that were like outside supermarkets, blogging broadband. I had door knockers that, you know, they came with their own challenges and 
the full marketing mix within my remit. So, you know, it was just amazing to get the support. And what was so incredible about Talk Talk is that it was just had so many inspiring female leaders at the top. Mm-hmm. So right from Dido Harding, who was there as CEO when I was um, in the beginning of um, my time at Talk Talk, and then Tristia Harrison, who's there now, who was also a sort of big advocate. And it was just a place where you just never felt there was a, uh, a ceiling. Um, and so I never felt like there was any any drawbacks from being a female you know like yeah. it was always it was always open for you to to progress so that was just really amazing when you look back and yeah I had eight wonderful years there like great friends did lots of different roles you know loads of stretch loads of challenge loads of things I'd never ever done and on paper probably shouldn't have been doing but <laughs> what they really valued was people that get the job done so I think they saw they saw that in me and um yeah, opened up lots of opportunities. And then that takes me on to sort of the next sort of freak encounter, if you like, which was Talk Talk were relocating to Manchester. And uh, at that point, I had two really small children and wasn't prepared to make the move. And uh, so I was taking uh, redundancy. And um, I was traveling in from my hometown of Beaconsfield into Marlebone. And I've got this amazing coat, which is like orangey pink, corally color. And somebody stopped me on the train and said, oh my God, I love your coat. And we got <laughs> chatting as we were walking, as you do. I was telling her my story. She was asking where I was working. She said, oh, I, I'm, I work at Virgin and we're looking for people like you to come and set up this loyalty business. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that sounds interesting. Having Virgin always being a brand that I admired. Yeah, so I, I got this opportunity to go and do a role within Virgin, which it was a role that probably wasn't the level that I wanted to be at. But I thought just just get in there and and have the opportunity. So so did that and and really within two weeks the whole role changed and it turned into CMO. Um, wow. And so <laughs> that's the story. Well, I love I love that because it's also I mean number one the woman at the barbecue kudos to her for for pointing you in a different direction that you obviously needed to go down. But uh, it, it's funny how you sort of talk about these things just happen, but they don't just happen because you're making those opportunities. And it's so interesting listening to you, how speaking to someone and then it leads to a conversation, but not everyone can do that. So I think it's, yeah, you it's you have made all of those opportunities for yourself and what a, what a wonderful career. Yeah, I, I hope so. And, and, and here we are at Virgin and, yeah, again, like an incredible place. Everyone knows the brand, which is obviously a, a major blessing. But it's it's a really interesting company, which from before I started, you know, I thought we were all in one building, all of the Virgin companies with Richard at the top of this ivory tower. And actually, the reality is very different. And, um, you know, part of my role is bringing these sort of 45 different businesses in different sectors, different geographies together sort of unified um around the loyalty and rewards program yeah it's just an incredibly interesting place to be and very very dynamic in that sense so if you don't mind can we go a little back a bit further back in your journey maybe closer to the beginning of your journey let's talk about you know what you were like as a child and work out if that influenced where you are so far in your career so what were you like what were your childhood dreams Ah, childhood dreams. I think, I think, um, maybe we just, if we start with some of the, the, the childhood events, cause I actually think that probably plays into a lot of who mm-hmm. I am today. And 
kind of humble beginnings, I guess. Um, my, my dad was a, a lorry driver. My, my mum was a cleaner at the hospital and we, we lived in this little one bed council flat. And, um, yeah. And my dad built up this, uh, quite big haulage business actually. And he wasn't a businessman at all. And he built it up over a number of years and sort of had the uh, transportation contract for JCB. And he actually did the uh, part of the transportation for Richard's, uh, Richard Branson's failed balloon attempt in Morocco, which right. was hilarious. Wow. Yeah, I know. So Virgin's been in the blood for a while. And he, and he built up this business to be, to be quite big, but didn't really sort of have the, the business acumen, if you like. So he put his trust in, in somebody that he probably shouldn't have. And, and that person, uh, really, really let him down. And sort of we, we lost everything, to be honest with you. So mm-hmm. we went from, you know, that one bed flat to having, you know, a nice house and nice holidays and nice cars to, to that being all taken away overnight. And that was, that was when I was around 11. Mm-hmm. And it's a funny story. You know, I remember the, the cars getting repossessed and, um, my mum had bought two four pint full fat bottles of milk and she poured them all in the back seats of the cars because it was a boiling hot day and she knew that they were going to sit in the in the car pound for some time and so the next lovely owner would certainly get a, a surprise on their hands and so for me what that did was instilled an enormous work ethic like mm-hmm. I just knew that my dream actually was to never ever be in that position myself like just never wanted to be there because uh, I saw the hardship that it took on the family. And so, yeah, from that point, I worked my socks off, really, and had, like, multiple jobs. So from the age of 11, you know, I was, I was shoveling shit down the stables. I was pot washing. I was waitressing. I was babysitting. You know, I was the only person I knew at university that was working multiple jobs. And and that drive and determination came from those experiences. And I think it's really interesting because I've got a brother who's five years younger and was impacted by the situation in a completely different way and in a negative way actually like it didn't Mm -hmm. it it didn't play out in the same way it did for me it was a real motivator in some ways but I think you know I had a really good group of friends I was just just in secondary school uh, whereas he wasn't so that's kind of where this drive started and yeah like I said the dream was just never to be in that situation myself Mm -hmm. and yeah, always wanted to get into um, advertising and marketing. You know, that came after wanting to be an astronaut for a short amount of time, but that was... <gasps> so did I. I know. <laughs> I still want to be an astronaut. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that one passed. But yeah, so that, that, was, that was always the plan and a bit of the backstory, mm-hmm. really. And so you were, it sounds like you were kind of fully aware of what was happening at, the, at that time. And I guess your brother being younger, probably he, what he'd have been six so maybe yeah. less aware of, of what was actually happening, but just very aware of the impact, I guess. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's, it's played out in him in a, in a, in a, in a negative way, really like, you know, relationships and anxiety mm. and stuff like that, because, you know, they, they were really challenging times and obviously yeah. horrible to see your parents go through that. And, and, and the, 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 the irony is that the, um, the council flat that I was once born in is now the same place where my mum and dad live. So they've just gone full circle, bless them. So right. yeah, it's, it's just an interesting turn of events, but one that I might not have changed, to be honest with you, because, you know, what doesn't break you makes you stronger. And it's certainly given me that drive um, and that sense of forward momentum. And, and were there people that you looked up to as a child, whether they were people that you knew in person or 
people off the telly or authors? Or? Um, well, I think at the time I, I, I really looked, I really did look up to my mum and dad, you know, because it was, it was sort of that, you know, rags to riches story, although I'm not claiming that we were ever that rich, but, you know, they were really trying to make something. Um, so I really looked up to them and I was, I loved being around their friends as well. Like our house was a really sociable place. Like there was lots of parties and gatherings and it was just, it was just fun times. So I think, I think they had, a, had a really big influence at the time. But yeah, lots of crushes in those days, but I, I don't know if there was that, that many inspirations. Those inspirations have come more later in life. So how about those inspirations later in life then? Are there any, is there anyone that you'd like to name check as, as someone who's been influential or inspirational or particularly supportive in your career? Yeah, well, I think it's all those people that um, I outlined in the beginning, really, that have sort of helped helped along the way in the journey. You know, and I've got an incredibly supportive boss now, Andrew Swaffield, who, you know, leads with a, a lot of dignity trust and respect you know and he just gives me a lot of autonomy um but is always always there when I when I need him so you know it's it's those people it's the people that pay it forward as well I think that I found really inspiring and you know like to do that myself with others and and in, in the role of 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 that I do within mentoring as well and is there any advice that you'd give to someone just embarking on their career yeah definitely I think it's hard now for, in this hybrid world uh, for people that are starting out in their career. And I think urging people to show up, be present mm-hmm. is, is, is one thing, but you know, not have it. You don't have to have all the skills on paper. I don't find I would much prefer people have a hundred percent of the attitude and a hundred percent of the ability to be da- adaptable because I think they are two of the skills that will get you the furthest in life. I'm, I'm always the first to say that I don't have all of the smarts, but knowing how to navigate your way, uh, to get the outcome that you want is, is a skill in itself. And so, yeah, I think show up, put your hands up, have the right attitude, do what you say you're going to do. And yeah, just, just get stuck in really. Yeah. That would be my advice. And I don't think you can kind of overstate the importance of those in, interpersonal skills as well, which I, I think are at danger of being lost if, if everything is remote. The, what you were talking about with that, the fabulous coat that would, you know, it, having the coat in itself wasn't enough. It was just the fact that you were able to have those interactions and talk about what you'd done. You know, that's not, not everyone can do that. So I think you can't overstate that either. Yeah, definitely. So I'd love to pick up on, um, Value drivers, actually, Kelly. So I know this is something that you and I have talked about in the past, um, about how you've really sort of defined your value drivers and, and maybe the impact it's had on you, but also your team. Would, would you be able to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I've only recently sort of reconnected with, you know, really taking a good look at value drivers. And yeah, the reason for doing that is I came back from uh, maternity leave from my third child which uh, was a great idea when we were in lockdown and we're twiddling our thumbs and not working five <laughs> days a week. But since then, it's uh, become a lot more challenging. Um, yeah, and we, I came back in April and, you know, the world was just coming out of COVID. Um, at Red, you know, we actually launched, we launched in the 20, on the February 21st, uh, 2021. 
And then obviously lockdown happened not long after that. So on the run up to going on maternity leave, we were just scenario planning every five minutes, you know, because our fate was very linked to Virgin Atlantic, given that's one of our massive partners. So we were fledgling, not knowing if we were going to survive. It was absolutely mental on the run up to maternity leave. We then did, we did launch before, before I went away. And then when I came back, you know, there'd been that whole period where the world had gone, you know, into lockdown again. So had to rebuild, come back, rebuild the team. We had this massive ambition to get to a million members, which I was really focused on um, getting the team sort of galvanised behind. And so it was full on, like all last year, it was just, you know, yeah, 100, 100 miles an hour. And so as we were coming into this year, like I'd rebuilt the team, got a brilliant new team uh, around me. We'd got, you know, all the basics back in place. We were just, you know, starting to hum again. But that burning platform wasn't there. And so I was like starting to feel a bit angsty and I just didn't know why. And so, yeah, I sort of took some time to reflect and listen to uh, a brilliant podcast, uh, Squiggly Careers, which I think you've had Helen on here. Yes, we've had Helen on the on the show. Yeah, she's amazing. She's she? amazing. But that podcast series is awesome. So for anybody who's yeah. looking for career advice, I do highly recommend that. Um, and there was one on finding your values and it just resonated with me so much. And I, I unpacked mine and, um, they are energy, achievement, collaboration and validation. And so like that high energy not being there, I wasn't getting that sort of sense of achievement, which was then mm. sort of eating into my, am I good enough sort of, you know, worry that goes through everybody's head and, um, and we weren't in this sort of mad collaboration mode where we're all galvanized behind a, a massive mission. So it was just really interesting to understand what was, you know, I had this weird thing going on and why I was feeling quite odd and unpack why that was. And then being able to share that with the team as well. So really important because all those values have really positive consequences, but, you know, when I'm at my worst, I'm sure that they can be like uh, quite exhausting for people as well. So just being really honest with the team about what my motivators and values are and then having them do the same has been a really great exercise. And one of the common ones that we all identify is validation. Mm. And um, that doesn't mean that we want to win awards or accolades or anything like that because it's, it's absolutely not. Validation for us is simply, you know, we want to know we're on the right track. We want to, we want people to take the time to say thanks when we've done a good bit of work. And it, it doesn't matter what level you're at. We all still want it. And I think people forget that, you know, the more senior you are, it doesn't mean that you don't need that little pat on the back every once in a while. Um, but I've been taking the time out to really make sure that I'm giving that back to my team because I know what it does for me and my morale. So of course it's going to do the same for them. It's such an interesting thing around the, the, validation you're right that uh, the more senior you get you don't necessarily get that and you do have to sort of focus on self-validation sometimes a little bit as well I've been finding um journaling really useful I never thought I'd be the person that would journal but actually it's a really nice uh, way to sort of at the beginning of the day you sort of set the intentions and at the end of the day you're writing what went well and it's actually you know considering that i I don't actually get very many people saying you're doing an amazing job because why would they? I'm, I'm running the company, but um, I think it's actually quite nice to just sort of 
perhaps you know self-validate occasionally as well yeah that's that's so interesting I'm definitely I'm definitely going to steal that one I've been thinking about journaling for a while but also get a bit scared about what to say so that's quite helpful (laughs) well yeah it does it does I end up sort of just logging my day as well which is not actually the best way to do it but you know you can find your own way now mentoring you mentioned something about mentoring earlier and I know that this is something that you're deeply passionate about can you just perhaps talk about why why does mentoring matter so much to you? Yeah, I think I just look back at the people that have been sort of influential in my career and it's because they they took the time to mentor me and they took the time to pay it forward. And so I love like finding the like sparky uh like aspiring leaders in the business that are like really early on in their journey and just imparting a few sort of pearls of wisdom that you you learn over the years with them it's just it's just so nice to be able to do and so yeah I I get a a lot from it personally but yeah hopefully they get a lot from having that honest open conversation and then those people are then front of mind aren't they when something comes up or there's a project or an opportunity and you know it's always it's always it's always great to help and I'm actually um just starting to be a mentor um, for the Marketing Academy. So I know that you've had very one close to your heart there, Tamara. So, um, yeah, really looking forward to that. They're just um, such an amazing organization. Yeah, I'm, I'm one of the, um, the trainers. I do some of their crisis, uh, leadership in a crisis training, uh, which, and the people that you meet there are just incredible. So, yeah, that's big shout out to Sherilyn who's also been on our podcast I know. before that was a good one that was a good one big shoes to fill after that so you talk about being sort of having these honest conversations with uh, people that you're mentoring but also your team and would you say that your leadership style has sort of changed uh, in in more sort of recent years and and maybe share how you're seeing that if that is the case yeah it it, it definitely has and I think when I when I track back to why then you know I, me- I mentioned earlier that um Sky was an incredible place to work uh because of like the innovation and the pride in the product and the caliber of people that you were working with um but I also said that I didn't feel like I could be myself and um one of the big reasons is because I I am very dyslexic and back then which was you know quite a few years ago now you you just didn't say anything about it and so I yeah. just sort of constantly carried the burden that I was just thick to be honest with you like and that I probably wasn't good enough and I think it's only really since coming to Virgin that I've been open about being dyslexic because you know Richard's so open about it and as I've Mm. grown as a leader one of the things that has changed is my absolute desire to be my most authentic self because I cannot be asked to be somebody that I'm not yeah and so that's the truth like that's what's changed the most that I say it how it is I am what I am and you know if I if I'm spelling things wrong or if I'm directing you in the wrong place or if I'm getting my rights and lefts mixed up which I do all the time I absolutely have no idea which one's my right or left it just does not come naturally to me at all and then that's just the way it is I'm afraid and I think you know bringing that authenticity to leadership in that context has been really good but also I'm a mother, I have three children, I have a 22-month-old that doesn't sleep and some days I'm not going to be my best self and so, you know, we have a Monday stand-up and I'll come on and I'll say, guys, 
I might not make any sense today. Marley was up three times in the night and I've been up since five and Arthur wouldn't put his shoes on. And it's, you know, there's a life outside of work and I don't think you should be keeping them separate because it's reality. And I think being able to bring your whole self to work for me is really important. And that's just been something that's come with confidence because I also remember um, one of my bosses in really early on into talk talk days when I was taking this massive jump from, you know, senior marketing manager to head of sales, you know, running quite a large part of the business saying that you're, you're really buttoned up. And it's because I was just probably petrified to be honest with you, but I, de- I that's not me. So um, I think leadership has changed because I've just become my authentic self in doing it. And I think what's so amazing about that is that you're, creating with that honesty to be absolutely who you are you're creating that safe space so that everyone else knows that they can be who they are as well which I I just think is such an important part of um, sort of more transparent leadership I suppose there's more sort of vulnerable leadership yeah for for sure and I I think that's so important and I value it in my leaders who are leading me and so yeah and 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 I really do hope that the people that I'm leading value it too Here's to being less buttoned up. Yeah, indeed. (laughs) Speaking of, we're going to move on to the the last part of the podcast where we get a bit more personal. Let's start with what's your idea of a perfect weekend? Well, I've got my perfect weekend coming up, actually, which is I'm going away with uh, my five best uni friends to celebrate our 20 years of knowing each other and our 40 years of life. So that's really exciting. That's this weekend. Um, Obviously, getting away with the family and the husband is also a massive highlight. But for me, like good right now would look like getting 12 hours (laughs) sleep um, and not having my children fight all day. That that would be a perfect weekend getting through getting through with those things ticked. But yeah, friends, family, food, wine, all you know, all the usual things would be an ideal weekend. Sounds amazing. If you could time travel to any point in the past or future with no consequence, where and when would you travel to? So that's really interesting because I don't, I don't ever want to stop at any one place in the past. But I was thinking about what the most like formative parts of life were, and I, I, I don't know if it's the same for everybody, but I just remember that sort of fifteen, sixteen age where you know, music was, you were hearing music like properly for the first time and Alanis Morissette, Jagged Little Pill was on repeat in my house. You know, I was mad into Oasis. You know, it's a time that your first love comes into the fold and it's just like emotion overload. And I just remember those times being just like crazy in that sense because it was just all these things you were feeling and thinking and doing for the first time like parties for the first time and you know all this sort of sense of freedom that you were getting and it was the same going to university you know being away from home for the first time meeting all these brand new people and just having like literally the time of your life where you were just so so carefree like I don't think my liver could cope with going back to either of those points in time but I certainly like just that feeling that you get when you think about them, I think is just so interesting. If you could be remembered for one thing, what would it be? Oh, one thing. Okay, gosh. You can have two if you want. <laughs> it just being like a positive energy, I think. No one wants a Debbie Downer, do they? <laughs> <No>. So <laughs> you, are, you are definitely a radiator and not a drain. <laughs> yeah, 
I think, I think, yeah, be, being a radiator, I, I'll take that. I'll be a radiator. So, um, speaking of your friends, how would they describe you? Yeah, so I, uh, yeah, I'm going away with uh, one of them this weekend. So I messaged her, and she said, "This is her words, not mine." Charismatic, personable, um, genuine interest in people, driven, doesn't suffer fools. Used to be fun, but we'll see you on the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> That's quite a range. <laughs> I love that. So, so, setting so the jury's standard. out on the last bit. Yeah, the jury's out on the last bit. I love that. What gives you joy in life? Uh, either it could be in, in or out of work. So like in work, and I know this is a massive cliche because I think a lot of people get joy from this, but obviously seeing people grow and develop massively, but I just, love being the voice of the customer in the business and I know everyone does say that but I genuinely get so excited about bringing that viewpoint and um, that is the position I play in the company is like how do we create the best experiences we possibly can and we're on a journey to do that like we're definitely not there right now but we've just brought in this new function which is end-to-end service design and I just love the way that we're thinking through everything from a customer's perspective right from the start to the finish and yeah, that, that's filling me with a lot of joy in the workplace at the moment. Outside of work, you know, obviously the family, friends. I love, yeah, love, yeah, I love just being around people, to be honest with you. And um, yeah, people do give me a lot of energy. So I also adore being by the sea or by any body of water. So we've got some paddle boards and we, we go out to the Thames quite a lot. And um, yeah, just, just being by the water, having grown up quite near it, just, yeah, brings me a, a hell of a lot of joy. Love it. I love it. Karaoke. I know you know that I love karaoke. Do, do you do you have a go-to song? <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> like, I, I said earlier, like, I was obsessed with Alana's set growing up and uh, I still know every single one of her songs from Jagged Little Pill, like, word perfect. So... It would be one hand in my pocket um, by Lana's set. Yeah, hands down. Yeah, with a very intense face while you're singing it, you know. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's only one way yeah. to sing Alanis Morissette. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Isn't there, Jess? Yeah, that would be it. Kelly, you've been an absolute joy to be on this podcast. And before we finish, I, I want to check, is there anything that we haven't covered that you still want to sort of uh, answer or any closing thoughts from you? No, I don't think so. Just thank you so much for having me. I, I really enjoyed it. It was, it was great. You've been listening to Genuine Humans, brought to you by The Social Element. If you loved what you heard, remember to subscribe or you can find out more at www.thesocialelement.agency.